Good morning. Welcome to church. I'm going to have you pretend that you're at summer camp and <laughs> except without the sleep deprivation and sunburn. talking about that song at our house this week. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. And Sarah said, if only it was that easy. But you know, we sing, we sing those songs in hope. We sing in hope and uh, we, we kind of the, the unrealistic hopefulness of it is what, is what helps us, um, is what helps us persevere through our sickness and pain, um, through through towards, towards the, the joy of the Lord that we anticipate and then we, we experience bits and, bits and pieces of it now and sometimes big chunks and sometimes hardly any, but, but we, 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 work, we work in that direction in hope and faith. Um, let's pray together as we begin our worship time. Our God, we thank you for gathering us together this morning. We thank you for the week that was and the different things that we have done in it. Some of those things we regret and we think about those now. Some of those are things that we've done and others are things that have been done to us or at us or against us or whatever. And we, we think about those things now that we wish had not happened. We wish, we, we pray also now about the things that, that we are happy for, the things that we are glad that happened, the things that, that we could clearly see your hand at work or we clearly felt like we were able to follow you in, in some way and we, the ways that we celebrate. We, we pray about that, that stuff as well. We thank you for the ways that we were able to follow you this past week. And now, God, we pray that you would help us to take those things that, that, we, are, that we are sorrowful about and sad about and those things that we are celebrating about, and we offer them to you this morning, and we come to you in worship, and we pray that you would guide us through this time of worship, that you would lift us up, draw us to yourself, draw us to one another as well. Amen. We acknowledge God's character and presence in worship. Thank you. 
Young voices coming up, it makes those of us with scratchy older voices feel like there's still something, there's potential coming, coming around and all is well, and, and, I, and I hope for the, for, the rest of, for the rest of you as well, that, that set of young voices singing, that sounds really good. We are going to uh, sing a song for you now that uh, not only do you not need to sing, uh, we want you not to sing this time. Um, We'll, we'll actually sing it again at the end of the service, but right now, um, right now, this is um, this is a, this is a song for you to listen to. Waves are only waves. 
I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear the storm. You are greater than its roar. I'm not going to fear the storm. I'm not going to fear at all. Peace be still. Say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace be still. You are here to live well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks. you to join us again. This is a familiar one. From the book of Psalms, chapter 57. 
Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God, my most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from the heavens and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. I will make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the people, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. And from the Gospels, also Pastor Russell's sermon text for uh, later in the service. Um, The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. And then one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked Jesus, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your mind, and with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The word of God for God's people. But please bow with me now, and a word of prayer to dismiss our little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you so much for each and every one of the little ones in our congregation. We thank you so much for the future that they will bring. We thank you so much for the love that they will share and we will share with them. God, we pray that their time in Children's Church today will be one filled with learning things that will stick with them for the rest of their lives, things that will mold them, things that will bring them closer to you. And we pray also for the teachers that they will know exactly what it is that you want them to say. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Children's Church is in the old youth room. Go back. Or onto the side, ages 3 to 11. So we have a number of announcements uh, for us today. Uh, You can see them in your bulletin. Uh, The first, September 27th, uh, Ladies Bible Study begins. Contact Lois or Charlene for more info on that. Next, small groups. Uh, You want to sign up. ASAP. We are hoping to start those on September, the week of September 26th. Uh, So you can either do that by emailing that email address there uh, or just getting in touch with the CODA as well. And we will find a group for you. Apart from that, just a general update. As uh, we all know, there was the garage sale around town. I had the wonderful pleasure of helping out at three different tables over the, over the day. And for the daycare alone, we, we raised over $1,196. So anybody that bought something at that table, I want to say thank you for that. Uh, and also, as is the case after every garage sale day here in town, I had asked your prayer Uh, for Dorothy and the MCC because I have absolutely no doubt that they are swamped right now with all of the things that didn't sail throughout the town. Uh, So make sure to spare some time in prayer for the MCC, both here and also in Austin as they had their garage sale day as well. Now, as to prayer items, we have a number of them. Besides the ones that you can see, uh, of course, there's going to be the federal election tomorrow, Uh, So spare some time to pray for that. That is an important one. Uh, Next, one of the groups that we are a part of as a church is the Mennonite World Conference. And today is the day that they call Peace Sunday. And that means that 
As Mennonites, we have a long history as far as promoting peace in the world. And a part of how we can do that is through prayer. And so they send us a number of uh, things that we should really pray for as a congregation that is looking outward to how God is working across the world. Uh, The first is, as it has been for the last year, COVID-19 related. In Indonesia and also Latin America, it is still raging. Like here we have some semblance of control over it. There, not so much. There has been a disproportionate number of deaths from COVID-19, particularly in Brazil, Colombia, and Argentina. And it is affecting workers, it is affecting any aid that can get out to the peoples. And so we want to make sure to keep uh, these regions that there is quite a strong Mennonite presence in. We like to think of Mennonites as a European or as a North American thing, but there are far more Mennonites in South America, Africa, and Southeast Asia than there is in North America. And so we want to pray God will work in these regions to get COVID-19 under control. Uh, Beyond that, there is places in this world uh, where they are either on the cusp of some form of war or have already plunged into the unfortunateness that comes with it. One is Ethiopia and the Horn of Africa. There has constantly been some strife that has been going on there, and they have been wrestling with civil, with the possibility of civil war for a while there. So we want to keep Ethiopia in our prayers. And also Myanmar, as we have probably seen on the news for the last year already, Myanmar... Uh, the, the military took over the government and said that it was improper elections or something like that and uh, have forced the entire country more or less under martial law since then. I actually have a number of close friends that are in Myanmar that I went to seminary with and every once in a while I managed to get updates from them about how things are going and to say that they are terrified about what is to come is making an understatement of it. The last time that the military ruled Myanmar, the Christian province of Kachin, which is in the north, uh, terrible persecution, straight out genocide at one point. And so they are very, very afraid that that will be the way that things are looking as well. And so we want to keep Myanmar in our prayers. And with those things, let's go now into a time of prayer. God, we come before you this morning with many things on our hearts, many things that seem so very big, and yet at the same time we know that to you they can be addressed. And so God, we bring before you these things that are on our hearts. Lord, first off, we continue to pray for the pandemic. Lord, while it rages still around us, lately even more so in North Norfolk than it has the entire last two years. We nevertheless also recognize that across the world there are places that it is causing so much destruction that we can hardly even imagine it. And so God, we continue to put it with you. Lord, we continue to put North Norfolk before you as we go into this new increased time of concern. God, we pray that whatever needs to happen to get the cases under control here will happen. God, we pray that it will be something that is on all of our hearts to address again. And as we look farther across the world to South America and to Southeast Asia, to Indonesia, to all of the other places that we know that it is raging to the point where there are millions dying every day and that they have no infrastructure to deal with it. God, we put these places before you. God, we, we don't know what can be done on our side other than to pray. We can give what we can, but ultimately we know that putting it before you is, is the thing that needs to be done now. And so we do just that. God, we pray that the cases come down. God, we pray that the infrastructure that needs to be put into place to address the cases gets put into place. God, we pray for the families that have been torn apart from this disease. God, we pray, we pray that it will be addressed and that somehow through the far side, your name will be seen clearer than before 
in a wonderful way as a result. God, this we put before you. And Lord, we also pray for the places in the world that are looking to go into times of violence. The unrest that is raging through Ethiopia and the Horn of Africa right now. God, these come before us as well. Lord, we pray that the underlying issues that are causing this violence will be sought out and will be addressed. God, we pray that whatever it is that is causing the unrest will be dealt with so that no more bloodshed will come. God, this we put before you as well. And Lord, for the situation in Myanmar, for the military rule that is happening, for the increased destruction, not only of the freedoms of the people, but also of their safety, also of their feeling of being of any consequence, and then the deaths and the violence that comes because of it. God, we put this before you. Lord, your church there has known persecution like we will never understand here. God, your church there has known death like we will never understand here. And so we pray, help us to understand. And so we pray, be with them. Whatever it is that needs to happen to bring the situation there to a peaceful resolution, God, we pray, let that happen. And be with our brothers and sisters there until it does. And God, we also come closer to home in our prayers as well. Lord, there will be a federal election tomorrow. It seems like it was just called moments ago and now it is here. And God, this is too close of one to call. So Lord, we pray, help us to vote as it is that you need us to vote. Lord, we pray, help the country to vote in the way that addresses the concerns that you want to see addressed. God, we pray that the government that comes will be one that will see in some way, even if we don't see it now, your kingdom come a little bit closer. Lord, this we pray. Now we also pray for our congregation as well. Lord, all of these things we bring before you today. We know that you are a God for which all of these things are possible. And so we look forward to seeing how you will work. And now we bring before you our service today. Lord, please bring a blessing to it. In your name we pray all of these things. Amen. For the last four or five months now, we have been spending our time in our services looking at what it means to live a Christian life. Uh, what it is that the Bible has to say about how we should, as Christians, what we should stand for, what we should do in our day-to-day -day life, and how the Bible, and as such God, as such Jesus Christ, tells us that we should conduct our lives. There is, of course, an awful lot more to the subject of Christian ethics. That, that's what it's called, that, that study about how to live your life in the best way that you can. There's a lot more in the Bible on that topic than just what you find in the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments, but pretty much everything you're ever going to read on that topic is going to come back to one of those two passages because those two passages are the main summaries of what Christian ethics is in the Bible. And so you can't really talk about what it is to live as a Christian, live as Jesus commands us to follow him like without coming back to either one of them. But while it is time well spent to go into the amount of depth that we did on those two passages, on the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments, and believe you me, you can go into an awful lot more depth than even we did, I nevertheless suspect that as everyone is going through their day-to-day -day existence, and coming across moments where you're asking yourself, how should I act in a situation? And how should I act in this situation? The, the old, what would Jesus do? 
bracelets, if any of you ever had those, those questions. Nevertheless, I find when you come across those situations, you're not going to want to re-listen to, and I counted the 17 sermons on the subject where we discuss the ins and outs of what you do. And so, you'll probably be asking yourself, is there something else, a more summarized guide even still for how to live as a Christian? And it turns out that there is. There's a single commandment that if you learn how to ingrain it into your life, into who you are, and to live according to it, you will be living as our Lord Jesus Christ tells us Christians are meant to live. And to wrap up our time with Christian ethics, for now, we will be spending this week and the next week looking at this command. And so we read that after being asked what is the most important commandment, Jesus answers, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Somewhat self-explanatorily, this is called the greatest commandment. And there is a version of it in three of the Gospels. Here in Mark, there's also one in Luke, and also one in Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. And that is the one that you most likely have all heard the most over the years. In Matthew's telling to the question, which is the greatest commandment, which is the commandment that sums up how we are to live our lives following after God. We read Jesus' reply very simply, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now these two recountings, the one from Mark and the one from Matthew. They're very similar, but they do differ in their wording in a way that often leads to a problem with how we tend to understand what Matthew is telling us. A problem that if we look at it for a little bit will tell us an awful lot about how we are supposed to apply this commandment to our lives. And it's a problem that comes mainly between the difference between how English works as compared to how the language that Matthew wrote in works. Now I'm betting that when you read that Matthew recounting of the greatest commandment, you understand it as saying something like the following. To the question of what is the most important commandment of them all, the answer that you read Jesus give is that there is actually two most important commandments. The first is to love God, which is the most important. And the second is to love your neighbor, which while very significant, don't get me wrong, is clearly not as important as the first. You read it that way because in Matthew's retelling, he says, love God with all that you are. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor. And to us English readers, if you number things like that, if you say this is number one and this is number two, you always number in terms of importance. Number one is the most important. Number two could be important, but less so. And the fact that Matthew, that in Matthew, Jesus then says the first commandment is the greatest of them, that just serves to solidify that reading, that to love God, that is the real important one, and to love your neighbor, that is important, but not as much. And this is an important reading to know, because it's because of this ranking that happens in our minds between the two, that I am betting that you've all heard messages in the past that have been some version of the following. The most important thing that a Christian can do is to love God, and then the importance of loving your neighbor comes some point down the line. And some of the worst of the sermons of this kind that I've heard, and I have heard a lot of them, the two commandments have almost been pitted against one another. If you need to do one or the other, make sure that you love God. 
just to make sure that we know that as Christians, that's what we need to be primarily concerned about. And loving those around us, when you get to it. It's important, sure, but if you don't think about it, if you don't do it, probably nobody's going to get on you either. And this understanding, it colors a lot of things. It colors how you prioritize things. It changes how you live, how you think, how you spend your strength, how you pray. Because as we said before, the greatest commandment is the summary of all that the Bible teaches us, all that our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us about how to live rightly. So to read it in this two-tiered way where to love God is the most important of things that we can do and to love our neighbor is an afterthought, that changes how we see the world and how we relate to others in turn. It's not that loving God with all that we are is not important, as you can read from the greatest commandment. It very clearly is important to love God with everything that you are. And we're going to see more about that in just a bit. But just that to understand the commandment in this, this tiered way, that impacts how we act as well. And by my experience, it does that in a way that tends to make us more inward-facing than outward. That tends to make us less concerned about the goings-on of the world and the well-being of our neighbors than we are about what is happening inside our own doors. And that tends to make us more concerned with how we are living internally, how we are impacted, how we are seeing that we are being infringed upon by the greater evil world than with our relationship with that world. And that certainly colors how the world sees the church in turn. But as I said, this comes from a rather poor reading of what Matthew is recounting Jesus as saying here. Greek, the language that Matthew wrote in, it isn't like English. When you number things in Greek, it doesn't necessarily mean that one is more important than the other. They don't have bullet lists like we would use today to convey that there's multiple items, but they aren't necessarily more important than one another. Moreover, that Jesus refers to the love God as the greatest commandment in this passage is very likely because he is quoting Deuteronomy 6.5 there, word for word. And that passage is scripture is one that the rabbis of Jesus' time called the greatest commandment. He's naming it. And more even than that, when Jesus gets to the love your neighbor part of the passage, note that he describes it as being like in importance to loving God. By doing that, by using that comparison, Jesus is telling us that to love God is not dissimilar to loving your neighbor. They are alike. They are of the same stuff. And how do we know that? Well, because in verse 40 of the Matthew passage, we are told that all the law and all the prophets hang on this commandment. Not that some of the laws and some of the prophets hang on one and some on the other, but all of them on both. In Matthew's retelling of Jesus' words, it is incredibly unlikely that he is saying that it is more important to love God with all that you are, and then second, when you can, love your neighbor as yourself. No, almost certainly what he is saying is that these two commandments are alike. They are of the same stuff. It is not more important to love God than it is to love your neighbor. It is not more important also to love your neighbor than it is to love God. But instead that these two commandments, and here's the key, these two commandments can't be separated. Why? Because neither one of them makes a lick of sense if you do. It is not possible to fully love God and not love your neighbor. 
Just as it is not possible to fully, wholly, and truly love your neighbor if you don't love God from whom it is that we learn what true love can be in its entirety. And if you need further proof that that's what's being said here, remember that the greatest commandment is in three of the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Luke, the two halves of the commandment are again equated on the same level. And in Mark, the one we read, the one that we had read today, and it's the oldest of the three accounts, remember that. There we are told, as we saw earlier, first to love God and second to love your neighbor before Jesus finishes by saying that there is no commandment. Commandment singular. These are the same commandment that is greater than these. They are like a coin, two sides, inseparable. And for us who have spent the last 17 weeks going through the law and the Sermon on the Mount and what they have to say about how we should live our lives, this really can't come as a surprise. To show you what I mean, let's look at the Ten Commandments. They're fresher in our minds. What are the first three commandments that we covered? The three commandments that we learned characterize what a strong relationship with our God must entail on our side. They are, do not place any other God before the Lord, do not make graven images, and do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And what did we learn as we explored each of them? From the first commandment, we learned that God loves his creation and us human beings who he made in his image, that to follow him we will lead to life, while to follow anything else that would seek to lead us will lead to our destruction. And that all of creation, including us, is worth working with him to save because he made it and he said it was good. From the second commandment, we learned that our relationship with God is important, that all people are made equal by the one who loves us. And by nature of being made in the image of God, we are all more valuable than we may tend to think that we are. And from the third commandment, we learned that it is worth going out into the world to spread the news about who Jesus Christ truly is, to build up the name of our Lord in the world around us and to show them that he loves them and wants to save everything from the destruction course that it's on. And so I ask you, while these truths undoubtedly cause us to love our God more, how can we truly internalize any of those commandments and not come away loving creation just as God does, loving ourselves just as God does, loving our neighbors just as our God does, and doing all of that to the best of our capacity. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength is to love a God who made humanity in his image and as such sees all of us as having innate value. It is to love a God who made all creation and said that all of it was good, something worthwhile, who loves all human beings with all that he is, just like the best of parents love their own children. And even though things have fallen, still loves everything and still is reaching out to save it. If only we take his hand. We are called to build the kingdom of this God, to lift up the low and to help in the redeeming of the creation that he made, to love God with all that we are is to love a God who wants the world to know 
that in him there is a way for the broken things of creation to be made better, is a way for the sins that tear us down to be washed away, is a way for the wrongs of the world to be set right. And that way is a relationship with him. How can you love that God with everything that you are and not love your neighbor with everything you are as well? Not see them as God sees them. If you claim to love Jesus Christ with all that you are and you do not see your neighbor in this way, you do not see your neighbor as Christ sees you, and you do not strive to treat your neighbor as Christ treats you as well, then then I'm sorry, but you don't love God as much as you may think that you do. There is no other way around it. You may have in your head all the ways that you know you're supposed to love God, but if you do not love your neighbor as well and act on that, then your love of God has not made its way to your heart, has not made its way to your soul, and has not made its way to your body yet either. This greatest commandment, while it has begun to take root in you, still has a ways to grow. And it's important that it does, because as you live your life, if you know how to best deal with God yourself and your neighbors, well, then, then you know how best to live, because those three things and how you relate to them kind of covers pretty much every situation you're ever going to find yourself in, doesn't it? But you can work towards getting this greatest commandment ingrained in who you are. And what's more, and here we finally get back to what this commandment tells us about Christian ethics. As we heard Jesus tell us before, by making the greatest commandment truly your life's refrain, you will have ingrained into yourself the decree of our God on how we should live the decree of our God on which all of the commandments rest. So I say, that's a pretty big win-win there that you do that, because not only do you learn how to love God, yourself and your neighbor better, you also learn the best of ways to live to boot, the way that we were created to live to boot. So how do you do it? How do you internalize this great command so that you will live by it? Well, by my figuring, in two ways. This week we're going to talk about one of them, and next week we're going to talk about the other. But as for now, you can begin by working to internalize this great commandment by ingraining it into who you are, by working at learning to love God with all that you are. Among a host of other things, what this means is that to love the Lord, our God, with all of your heart is to open your life to him completely. To come to love as he loves. To come to see the world as he sees it, as worth something. To come to value creation as something that he has made and to hunger for what our God hungers for and to weep for the pain our God weeps for. To want to help to save the things that our God reaches out to and has since the moment of the fall. To orient yourself towards him. Work to do this, learn to understand in this way, and you will be working to love God with all of your heart. Among a host of other things, to love the Lord our God with all of your soul is to see that our connection to our Lord goes beyond just what it is that is before us, and it stretches into the realm of the unseen as well. It is to see that our relationship with God is one that began before we did and will go on long after we are gone as well. It is to see that our relationship with God is one to which our future in heaven itself will pale in comparison next to getting 
to know our God just a little bit better. Work to do this. Learn to understand God in this greater way and you will be working to love God with all of your soul. Among a host of other things, to love the Lord our God with all our mind means that we have to engage with our scriptures, reflect on what we are soaking in, and speak with each other in the church about the things that we have learned. You cannot be a Christian apart from the church. That is something made abundantly clear as you go through the pages of the New Testament. It is to set time aside to go deeper into the word as well. It is to learn from those who have come before us about how they understood scriptures, how they understood God. And it is to spend all of the time that we can in prayer. Work to do this, learn to understand God in this way, and you will be working to love God with all of your mind. And finally, among a host of other things, to love the Lord our God with all of our strength, with all that we are, it means to live a life that shows that this relationship with God is the one that defines us. It is to build the kingdom of God in this world around us. It is to share our faith far and wide. It is to work to lower ourselves so that we can put others well-being in before our own. It is to work for the peace that Jesus Christ calls us to and that his love for his creation necessitates. It is to care for the creation that he made and that he said was good. And it is to reflect the glory of our God to everything around us in turn. Work to do this, to learn to live in this way, and you will be working to love God with all your strength as well. Do you want to work to ingrain in yourself the greatest commandment that Jesus tells us is the key to living the best life that we were created to live? And as a kicker, learn to love God yourself and your neighbor better as well. Then work to love God the world as God does. Work to wrestle with the ununderstandable and live in prayer. Work to learn all that you can from our Bibles and from being with other believers in his church and work to put all that is in your heart, your soul, and your mind into practice every day. In other words, work to learn how to love God with all that you are. It is work but it is worthwhile. This is the first way that you can work at ingraining this greatest commandment into who you are. And again, notice how if you truly embody this love for our God, that that will impact how you see yourselves and your relationship with others as well. There's no way it won't. This process will impact how you spend your time. It will impact how you choose to live your life, to build your relationship with God to the point that it encompasses every facet of who you are like we are called to do. That will impact everything about you. That will change how you live. There is simply no way that it won't. And what's more is that it will take work on your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the world around you as well. Often the roadblocks to us coming before God with all that we are are the ones that we set before ourselves. It's hard to believe that God loves us with all that we are if we, to the pit of our being, hate ourselves with all that we are first. You'll need to work on that if you truly want to come before our God. But you can do it. It is tough, but it can be done. And believe me, it is worth it. Because once this commandment is built into everything that you are, how you see the whole world will change. 
And that, while incomplete, is what I have for you today. Next week, we bring this passage to its conclusion by learning what else we can do to internalize this greatest command. Thank you, Russell, for your, your thoughts and your, your uh, the time you spent in prep and the things that, that we can take uh, into our own minds through them. We're going to close by singing the song that we... Um, singing the song that you heard us sing earlier on. Um, and this time as we close our service, um, I'll sing the, the verses. And Adrian and Derek and Sarah and you all can join in on the choruses. Peace be still, say the word, and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace be still, you are here, so it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks peace. I'll sing the verses. You listen. You join in, Adrian, and we'll all, you join in with. You join in on the chorus. I'm not going to fear the storm, you are greater than its roar. I'm not going to fear the storm, I'm not going to fear at all. Peace be still, say the word I will, set my feet upon the sea, till I'm dancing here. For our benediction today, we turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. My love is with you all in Jesus Christ. 
Let's go now and serve our wonderful God.